And so we talked about them last week, but according to statistics, something like 75% of us make New Year's resolutions. Um, The older we are, the more likely we are to focus on health-oriented goals, uh, while the youngest demographic are more uh, focused on self-improvement. Uh, And we're optimistic when it comes to keeping our uh, resolutions. 75% of us believe we can keep them up for the whole year. Um, Reality is that by mid-February, most of us, 80% of people have given up on their resolutions and let them slip. So if you have New Year's resolutions, it's what is today, the 21st of January. How are you going with them? I wonder how you're going. Uh, And more specifically, I wonder how you're going with your New Year's resolutions as they pertain to God. Um, I picked this list um, of the top 10 American New Year's resolutions. Uh, I noticed that none of them are about drawing near to God, are they? Maybe if I'd gone to the Bible Society or something, it might have been different. But uh, I wonder for you, is growing closer to God, is that one of your goals for 2024? Um, It's one of mine, and I'm hoping over the next three weeks, we're going to have three weeks of kind of, I'm calling them like prayer and focus. In America, it was prayer and fasting. But really, if you you have three weeks, 21 days, to kind of focus and and focus in on your relationship with God and pray and and work out what you want to do, uh, what God would have you do to grow in your relationship with Him this year, to... uh, find your peace in him, to find your purpose in him, to draw nearer to him, whatever it is. And so I've called this January Kickstart series, um, Draw Near. And, and the idea is drawing near to God. And it comes from the passage that we just read in Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Uh, and that's going to be our, our key passage for the next few weeks. Um, every week we'll hear an exhortation to draw near to God Uh, together as a church, not just as individuals, but together as we encourage one another to stay on track with faith in 2024. So uh, why don't we pray that God would motivate us now as we open his Bible and think about it in a little bit of depth. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, you created us for a relationship with you. Uh, We find so many ways to distract ourselves and to wander from your presence. Uh, Father, speak to us today and call us back to yourself. Remind us of what is most important and teach us how to seek first your kingdom every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I know it's the 21st of January, but as I thought about the best way to start the year for church, I couldn't think of a better passage than Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. It's this uh, passage with a really simple but powerful message, draw near to God. Uh, That is, come to God, find God, uh, know God, enjoy God, come close to God, live your life in the presence of God, experience the fullness of God, experience intimacy with God. Uh, If we had one New Year's resolution as a church for 2024, this would be it for me, that we would draw near to God this year. So uh, how exactly do we draw near to God? Well, I think our passage um, highlights two different ways that we can draw near to God. Uh, One of them... um, I'm going to risk myself here. It feels a little bit dry and repetitive and it doesn't satisfy. And then the second way leads to deep intimacy with God that we talked about a moment ago. Uh, and so let's think about the old way. And by the way, Beck, the kids' talk was super helpful, thank you. Um, I could probably skip over half my talk, but hopefully we won't overlap too much. Um, uh, the Old Testament. So the author of this letter, and by the way, we don't know who wrote Uh, the book of Hebrews. Um, It's a letter to the Hebrews. And so we just say the author 
um, or the writer to the Hebrews. So uh, this author of this letter, he was writing to Hebrews, that is, he was writing to Jews um, who'd grown up as part of God's Old Testament people. Uh, And as part of God's Old Testament people, the Hebrews had grown up with a certain way of drawing near to the Lord, and it made sense to them, um, and it made sense back then in the Old Testament, but the writer wants them to understand how things have changed when Jesus arrived. So as Beck said, ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, the story of the Bible's been the story of God drawing a people back to himself. He's been gathering a people and making them his chosen people and his treasured possession. And so starting with Abraham and then Moses, God grows his people and he calls them Israel. It makes them into a kingdom and a nation. And God is with his people all of the way, Uh, even as their faith in him wavered and as they wandered into all kinds of sins. And so God instituted ways to keep bringing his people back to him, uh, literally bringing them back to him um, by having them come physically to a temple, uh, physically coming to a building that's a reminder of who God is, and then having them perform a physical ritual to remind themselves of the ways that they disobeyed God. Uh, And I'm talking about the temple and the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. And and the system was good. There's nothing wrong with the system. Just like coming to church every Sunday is good. But the sacrificial system itself didn't fix the problem between God and humans. It didn't fix sin. Uh, So listen to the way that the writer to the Hebrews describes it. We read this just before. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. So the Old Testament sacrificial system, it's this kind of cycle of sin and sacrifice and forgiveness. The the people sinned and then in their guilt they bring a sacrifice to the temple, uh, an animal that would be killed symbolically as a sign of uh, punishment. Uh, the, The sins would be punished on the animal instead of the person and therefore they received God's forgiveness. But it was also a daily reminder that we can never be good enough for God. It's this daily reminder that if we try to earn our way into God's presence, it will be a never-ending cycle of trying and then failing, of guilt and shame and uncertainty about whether we've done enough. And I don't know about your church history, but I think there are probably people who come to church every week with that understanding. They kind of live under that old system. They think that coming to church is a bit like going to the temple. It's a religious duty that you have to perform, otherwise God won't accept you. Or they think that tithing or giving to the church is a a religious duty that you have to perform, otherwise God won't accept you. Or they might think that baptism or um, communion, it's a religious duty that you have to do, otherwise God won't accept you. Is that what you think as you come to church every week? Uh, If it is, I know there are some of us that think that way and we, we sort of feel like we need to earn our salvation by turning up religiously. But is that the heart of the Christian message? Well, the answer is mercifully no. And I think that's what the writer to the Hebrews wanted his audience to understand. If that's the basis that you come to God, if that's your basis for drawing near to God, then actually you're missing out on something far more satisfying. Because the curtain, sorry, because the Old Testament sacrificial system still kept God at a distance. There was still this curtain separating God and his people. There was a a curtain into the Holy of Holies, just like in Beck's talk, into the the sanctuary, the the place where God's presence was said to dwell. Um, 
that was blocked off by a curtain and nobody could go in there. Only the high priest could go in there and they could only go in once a year and then only after they'd spilled the blood of animals to atone for any kind of guilt. See, God was distanced from his people. As uh, Beck's books, I love that, Garden, the Curtain and the Cross. Um, What is it? Sin, you can't come in. Because of sin, you can't come in. Um, I was trying to remember that. I was going to tell you on the, during the week. This curtain separates God and his people. Um, interesting, um, COVID taught us what it was like to be distanced, didn't it? To be distanced from other people. So hard to stay in relationship when you can't see them physically. Um, I guess you can make effort over the phone and things, but it's really difficult to maintain relationships when there's distance between you, when you're separated by something. And this Old Testament, Old Testament sacrificial system, it, it kept God's people distanced from him in a way. And so the Israelites grew up with the idea that God could only be approached in the sanctuary. The only place to find God was in the temple, inside the Holy of Holies and behind the curtain. And perhaps we've grown up with the idea that the only place to find God is inside the four walls of the church between 9 and 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. This is where God dwells. He's not out there in Robbo. You have to come here to meet him. But that's not true, is it? That's not where God dwells. Um, see, relationship to God like that, if you, if you relate to God like that, it's only a shadow of what our relationship can be like when we let Jesus in. And that idea of the shadow comes from uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It's a shadow of what was to come. So listen to what the writer to the Hebrews says about the new way of approaching God through Jesus Christ. He starts at verse 19. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. Um, God reminds us in these verses that the most holy place is no longer closed to us. The curtain has been torn in two. Uh, remember that that's part of the crucifixion story of Jesus. Right at the moment of his death, the curtain in the temple tore in two and it symbolically showed us that all of us can enter into God's presence because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, this one true sacrifice that deals with sins once and for all. It's not like the sins that had to be repeated daily. Once and for all, this true sacrifice deals with our sin, it deals with our guilt, deals with our punishment, so that we can stand in God's presence guiltless. His blood is poured out so that we can approach God with confidence, as it says here. And not with foreboding. We can approach God unashamed rather than weighed down by sin. Uh, By faith in Jesus, the doorway into God's presence is forever open to us. And so the question is, brothers and sisters, have you entered into God's presence by this new and living way? Do you know Jesus? Uh, Not the old way of priests and, and sacrifices and rituals, but through faith in Jesus by grace. Have you come to Jesus Because that's what the writer of this letter wants us to do. He wants us to draw near to God with the confidence that only Jesus can give us. He says this in the next verse. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. There's allusions here to what they used to do in the temple. They used to sprinkle the blood around and that made you clean. Well, here he's saying you've been sprinkled by Jesus' blood. You've been washed clean. There's nothing that stops you from coming to God. Do you believe that this morning? Such a promise. No matter what you've done, come to Jesus and he will sprinkle you and wash you clean. You can come in confidence. 
as we think about New Year's resolutions, I always think about motivation. Uh, what is it that motivates us to seek healthier patterns of eating um, or spending or exercise? What motivates us to seek healthier patterns uh, of relating with our families? It's always about what's most important to us and what we think will bring the most blessing to our life. And in our passage today, we're reminded about what will bring us true blessing, uh, which is intimacy with God. Um, if we felt like God was distant, or if we felt like God was angry with us, if we felt like God was unhappy with us, if we felt like any of that, if we felt like God was hard to deal with, then I could see why we wouldn't seek a relationship with Him. You know, if you think God is angry, I, I could understand why you would keep your distance. But He's not angry, is He? We've just been reminded that He's not distant, He's near. He desires our company. He wants our presence and there's nothing we could ever do that would change that. Um, his love for us never changes. Jesus proved that when he died for us, the righteous for the unrighteous. He died for us while we were still sinners to bring us to God. And so if we want the blessing that comes from God, all we have to do is come to him, um, draw near to him, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, as Jesus said. And all of these things will be given to you as well, Matthew 6.33. So in 2024, will you draw near to God with me? Will you, will you make it your resolution and your commitment to draw near to God, not just on Sundays, but to draw near to God every day with a sincere heart this year? Uh, when John Piper was talking about this passage, John Piper said, don't settle for life at a distance from God. Isn't that good? Don't settle for life at a distance from God. Um, this passage is an invitation for us to come and know God personally. Uh, where we feel inadequate, it's a reminder of the adequacy of Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. Where we feel guilty, it's a reminder that Jesus bore our guilt on the cross so we can have our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Uh, where we feel unclean before God, it's a reminder that Jesus has washed away every sin as we just sung in the song before. Jesus has paid it all and we owe everything to him. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. There's nothing stopping us from coming to God and everything inviting us to draw near to him. So how do you draw near to God in practical terms? Well, um, it's uh, all about developing a relationship with God through Jesus. Um, this is not rocket science. It's not like a relationship with a bank where you go to make a withdrawal, but it's like a relationship with somebody you love, someone who's your friend, someone who you share your life with, um, somebody who you go to for counsel. Um, Puritan preacher John Owen said this. He said, friendship is most maintained and kept up by visits. Isn't that true? When you're friends with somebody, it's best maintained and kept up by visits. And these, the more free and less occasioned by urgent business. Um, I find that with some people, you know, I feel like every time I call them, it's because I need something. Um, Ian, I hope that's not you. We, you, we probably need, Ian knows, yeah, it's Dan again, something to fix. Um, less occasioned by urgent business. We grow a relationship with God through frequent visits, just like any friend, and not just when we need something from him, but as a constant companion in all of the hills and the valleys of life. Uh, we keep God in our consciousness by coming to him regularly, and definitely we do that by coming to church each week, uh, but we all know it's hard to have a deep relationship with somebody when you only see them once a week, and, and that we'll find that at church. You know, you might see somebody and talk to them for 10 minutes, over morning tea. It's hard to have a deep relationship when we do that. They might be good acquaintances, but the relationship really goes deeper unless we invest at other times. And so 
with you and God, that means making time for God throughout the week. Uh, for most Christians, that means spending time with God in uh, the Bible every day and in prayer, or regularly anyway. I uh, don't know where you're up to in your journey with God, uh, but if you've ever tried reading the Bible, uh, sorry, if you've never tried reading the Bible outside of church, this is a great time to start. Have a, have a try this year. Um, maybe, maybe you've tried to read the Bible, but it just didn't stick. You know, you tried for a bit or you didn't understand it, and so you let it go. Well, this is a great opportunity to try again. Uh, maybe you're somebody who has a really regular pattern of reading God's Word and praying. Uh, this is a great opportunity to keep going and actually to, to encourage others in our church in it. Maybe share what it is that you do, what, what it is that helped you get regular. Because there's no real secret to growing our relationship with God other than spending time with Him. Um, I heard about somebody who loved books, and so when they went on vacations, um, they loved to bring old friends with them. Their old friends that they brought with them on vacation were books, and the characters and the people in the books who they'd come to know and love as they read the books over and over again, those stories that filled their hearts up. Well, we get to know God and Jesus in the Scriptures the same way as we read the stories again and again, as we hear God speak through His Word again and again, as we learn how other people have sought God over the centuries, how they've dealt with their uh, problems that are common to all of us. And the more that we read the Bible, the more that we see the story of Jesus woven into every page, and so He becomes the center and focus of God's story to bring salvation to us. The Bible brings faith alive. The Holy Spirit helps that as we interact with God through his words that he's caused to have written for us and recorded for us. So how are you making God's word part of your daily journey or a regular part of your week anyway? Um, for me, the, the key is consistency. Um, about 15, actually it's probably closer to 19 years ago, I think now, a friend of mine in Bible study invited, uh, challenged all of the men in our group. He said, I want you to do the 60-day challenge. And because we're men, we said, what is that? Um, men in our 30s, I think we were at the time. What is the 60-day challenge? Where well, he said, it takes 21 days to, to form a habit. So why don't you do 60 days? And then you'll definitely have the habit formed. Um, he said, get a little journal, write the, the date of the next 60 days on the top of each page, read something in the Bible, and write something down that you noticed. And uh, guess what? I went uh, from there. Uh, I'd had pretty haphazard Bible reading for the first 15 years of being a Christian to this start, thing where, where I started to read every day for 60 days. And uh, would I have signed up to a 15-year challenge? Turns out, since then, I think I've read the Bible almost every single day since that 60-day challenge started. Would I have signed up to a 15-year challenge? No way. But that 60 days became 120 days, and then that became a year, and then one year became two years, and then it became, well, there you go. So 60 days, you can make a life-changing difference to your faith journey. So what about you? Perhaps 60 days sounds like too much. Why don't you try for the next 21 days? What could you do for the next 21 days to draw near to God? Um, that's how long our Draw Near series lasts, 21 days starting tomorrow. Perhaps this is your chance to begin something that will change your life forever. Um, now goals are good for setting direction, uh, but systems are best for making progress, says uh, James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits. New York Times number one. You need a system to keep on track. Uh, there's no one way to read the Bible. Um, uh, what's important is that you read it. The first time I read through the Bible in a year, I had something like this, a little piece of paper that was folded up in my Bible every day, and I just ticked off one of those things every day. Um, this particular one um, only has five days a week 
when you read, so that if you didn't quite read everything during your five days, you've got a couple of extra days on the weekend to catch up with where you're at. Um, Remember that reading the Bible is not a religious work, it's not a tick a box activity, even though on this one you actually tick the box, Uh, you don't win brownie points, Uh, you read the Bible to draw near to God um, and to know Him more and more. So for me it was planning what I was going to read and when I was going to read. The when is easy, I, I always just read first thing in the morning now. I wake up, I turn the coffee machine on, I come and I read my Bible and by the time I finish the coffee is ready for a cup and uh, the how well that's up here Um, so perhaps you want to use a paper system this is the whole bible in a year it's a little bit terrifying if you don't read any of the bible Um, you could work through this I know people who've tried to read the bible in three years Um, I know know it's pretty small but can you see that every day you've also got a little bit of old testament a little bit of new testament and a psalm Um, Often when people start in Genesis and say, I'm going to read all the way through, they get to Exodus. Exodus is pretty exciting. You get to Leviticus and people are like, what is going on here? And then you get to Numbers and there's like 10 chapters of just names. And you're like, and most people are out somewhere in Deuteronomy and Numbers. Plan is, uh, the idea is just get going, do something. Um, for, for a long time now, I've been using, uh, reading the Bible on Uh, my phone, and now that my eyes are terrible, on an iPad instead. And um, the Bible app, or version, it's exactly the same thing. Um, These guys have been around uh, for a long time. I think they've had, it doesn't say it on this one, something like 650 million people have downloaded this app to read the Bible. Isn't God good to use a phone or, or whatever, so that people are reading the Bible. All the different translations are on there. And uh, at the moment, what I'm using is their plans for reading. So you've got a daily plan, you sign up to it. And you can even put a reminder of what time you want to read the Bible and it'll send you a message. Um, have you read your Bible today? Um, if you haven't read it by midnight that day, it often sends you a message later in the afternoon Said, are you sure you want to skip a day? Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> for those of us who need that, it's pretty good. And you can tick it off. Um, for those of you who like to win, um, you have streaks of how many days in a row you've read. Um, when I came back from America last year, I was very upset because you're on the plane and you lose a day or you gain whatever and it set me back to zero and I was like, oh, my streak. Uh, i got two, um, two different ways um, to recommend here. Uh, I'll send them to you this week in the email. But um, last year, and actually two years ago, I read the same plan. Um, there was Bible in a Year by Nikki Gumbel, who's the author of Alpha Course. So Alpha Course, something like... 30 million people have done that in the last 30 years. Uh, a course about learning about who Jesus is. Uh, he's got this amazing one-year commentary where as you read your old and your new and your psalm, every day he, he writes a bit of commentary that goes with it. Um, by commentary, I mean it's really insightful, interesting, thought-provoking. Um, and so it probably takes 20 minutes every day to read both the commentary and the Bible passages, but I've loved it. And so I've read him twice. Um, there's a new one uh, that came out, Tara Lee Cobble, uh, the Bible Recap. Has anybody tried that one? Karen, it was good. Bible, Bible Recap, you're doing it now. Bible Recap, I think I'm going to try that a bit later. Um, this year, I normally read the Bible in a year every second year. Well, this year I'm going to read um, little devotionals on different things. So I've been uh, reading the New Testament in three months, slows you down a bit. And uh, also some uh, ones about marriage and intimacy and love, and it's been really good too. Uh, some good discussions for Joe and me. There's all sorts of things you can do, but the idea is just to get started. Doesn't matter what you start, let's just start something. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Just 
got to get started. And so uh, that five-day plan, I've actually printed off some paper copies of that. If you think you'd like to try that, um, you can take a paper copy this week and start ticking off. You don't have to do five days in a row. You can do, you can take whatever it is, read a little bit at a time. But the answer is just to get moving. So as we start our 21 days to kickstart the year, would you join me in uh, committing to draw near to God somehow? Um, maybe over morning tea, you can tell people what you've been doing if it's been successful, or maybe you've been spurred to think, I want to try something new this year. Maybe you can discuss that over morning tea. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your scriptures. We thank you that you speak to us through them. We thank you that you haven't uh, stayed distant from us, but by opening the curtain to salvation through Jesus Christ, you've invited us to draw near to you. And we pray now, Lord, that we would draw near to you, that we would come to you this year, that you would, by your Holy Spirit,